Well, today, as I mentioned in the prayer, is Pentecost Sunday. It's this significant event in the life of the church. Where nearly 2,000 years ago, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, this small group of followers who weren't sure what to do at that point because their Messiah, their Master, the one they thought was the Son of God, the one they believed was the Messiah sent to save the world. He had died, He had risen again, but now He left. And He promised them, He made this promise to them in John 14, He made this promise to them that, that it would be better, get this now, that it's better for Him to leave because then He'll send the Spirit. It's better for him to go and be with the Father, Jesus says, so then he can send the Spirit. But they're in this place of waiting, where the one they had put all their hope in, that they had left family, friends, jobs, you know, the the story of these guys, I still can't ever wrap my mind around it, that they're out there fishing, it's the family business, and this rabbi walks up and says, hey, follow me, and they're like, yep, peace, see you, dad, have fun fishing, and they leave everything behind And give it all up for this guy, Jesus. But now he's ascended into heaven. But he promised them, he promised them that he wouldn't leave them hanging. He wouldn't leave them alone. He would send the Spirit. But there's this time where they're waiting. There's this 10 days between the ascension of Jesus, 40 days after his resurrection. So it was like a party. It must have been like Disneyland every day. Jesus is resurrected, he's alive, he can pass through doors, he can do all these crazy things, and he's spending this time with the disciples. If you're there, this is like, what is he going to do next? What is he going to do next? What is he going to do next? But then he says he has, he reminds you, he's got to go, because it's going to be better if he leaves. And so 40 days after his resurrection, he ascends into heaven, Luke and Acts tells us, he ascends into heaven, and now they're waiting. They're waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. And hopefully they could remember in in John 14, Jesus says, all of this I have spoken while I'm still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I live with, with you. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not Let your hearts be troubled. He's trying to remind them that that the Spirit's going to come and it's going to be good. It's going to be better. In fact, he continues on. He said, you heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you loved me, this is the the trickiest thing Jesus said to these guys. I'm, I'm, I'm just, if I'm sitting there, put yourself in that room with Jesus towards the end of his life. If you loved me, you would be glad I'm going to the Father. For the Father, Father is greater than I am. It's going to be one of the hardest things to to wrap your mind around as a follower of Jesus. You've seen everything he's done, and he tells you it's going to be better if I leave. It's going to be better if I leave. I think it's so unbelievable what he says to them in that moment, that from John 14 to John 16, he says it again. In John 16, he says, truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away... The advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is teaching about the power of the Holy Spirit. He's telling them the Spirit is going to allow them to do even greater things. He has said that to them in John 14. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. 
For those of you who have been in church a long time, if you've read your Bibles, you know just, just a little bit about what Jesus did. Imagine somebody telling you, Jesus, the one you've seen do all these miracles, you've seen him walk on water, he's calmed the storms, he's done all these things, and he says to you, he says to you, you're going to do greater things than everything you've seen me do, because I am going to the Father. Jesus is trying really hard to convince these early believers to help them understand the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us alive in believers. He's trying to convince them it's going to be better when he leaves. I, I just, I still, every Pentecost Sunday when I try to wrap my mind around this, I try to think about these disciples who have left everything, as I've said, and they're sitting there and Jesus is saying, no, trust me on this. When I leave, just wait. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. So, so he leaves, he does, he leaves. In Acts 1, we hear of Jesus leaving. He reminds them, he says, stay in Jerusalem because the Spirit's going to come. Stay there. Stay there. And I wonder what those days were like. What do you do in those days? I mean, on one hand, it's like maybe they should throw a party because Jesus finally left and finally he'll send the Spirit. Fine. Oh, you keep saying it's going to get better, then get out of here. But I doubt it. I doubt that's how they're feeling. There's probably some uncertainty, some hesitation about how good it's really going to be when Jesus leaves. How good could this Holy Spirit thing really be? Are you sure about this, Jesus? But he leaves, and they wait. And then we get to Pentecost, this day of Pentecost, where we read in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, the disciples are together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they are sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I don't know what that would look like. And I'm imagining Luke who wrote this also doesn't know what that would look like. I'm thinking this is one of the most chaotic events in history, and they're like, we don't even know, like fire was on us. Sure, whatever, I'll take your word for it if you were there. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, see, people had come for the Passover festival. They had stayed for all these events at the end of Jesus' life. They had stayed for all these festivals. So people gathered from all over. Jews from everywhere came to Jerusalem. It's like a pilgrimage type thing. They came there. And all of a sudden, they're speaking different languages. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya. There's a lot of places. And they're all hearing these, these fishermen, it's like uneducated fishermen guys, speaking in these other languages because the Holy Spirit is about to wreck everybody. The Holy Spirit's about to transform all of these lives. Because remember, Jesus said it's going to be better if I go because the next thing that's going to happen is going to be really, 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 really amazing. Wait for it. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? And the only thing it could mean, some said they've had too much wine. 
Because what on earth is going on here? Well, they must be drunk. Because, of course, when you get drunk, you start speaking other languages fluently. <laughs> I've always, you know, what the heck is going on? What's, that's the conclusion? Man, they can speak all these different languages. They must have drank that one drink that, what? Anyway, I just thought of that right now as I was talking, so <laughs> weird. Then Peter assesses the situation, as Peter does most often. He stands up with the eleven, he raises his voice, he addresses the crowd, fellow Jews, all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, see, Peter now says this, oh my gosh, he starts to connect the dots. He says this is what somebody talked about in the Old Testament days, said this day was going to come, and, and here it is. He starts to connect the dots. He says, in the last days, Joel told us, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He breaks it all down. He says this event that's happening right now, what you're experiencing, the bewilderment, the amazement, you're wondering how this could happen because that event that God promised when he would pour his spirit on all people, Men, women, young, old, servants, higher class, doesn't matter. They're all going to get the Spirit if they call on the name of Jesus. It's happening right now, he says. It's happening right now. It's happening. And the Spirit is poured out in that day that Moses dreamed of. If you're familiar with Moses in the Old Testament, he feels like he's the only one who has the Spirit and he longs. In the, in the book of Numbers, he says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. That was Moses' prayer back then as he's looking at the amount of work to be done. He's going, I wish that there would be a day when all people would have your spirit, God. And that day has come. And that day has come. And so Peter grabs the stage. He observes what's going on. That the counselor, the spirit of truth, the advocate that Jesus promised has come and is moving. And so he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. He's starting to give an altar call now. Now they didn't know about altar calls back then. You know, they didn't know about Billy Graham yet. A little bit before his time. But Peter gives this kind of first altar call and he tells the story of who Jesus was and he says, listen, this guy Jesus that you guys crucified, you remember those events that happened not too long ago? He's the Messiah. He's the coming one and the Holy Spirit. He promised it's here. And I love it because it says in verse 37, when the people heard this, they're cut to the heart. They're cut to the heart. Have you ever had that experience? Just like that, that, that moment of conviction of what? do I do now? Some of you had that experience when our friend Rich Relaford from World Vision came last August. I'm going to say more about that story a little bit later. But when he came and he talked about the great need in our world, some of you were cut to the heart. And you said, what do I do? What do I do about this? That there are kids in our world that don't have clean water. What do I do, God? And, and, and some of you who had no business running a half marathon or marathon said yes, and you did it. 
and you blew my mind, and you blew everybody's minds, and you did it. You probably blew your own mind. I'm just going to be honest with some of you. Because you were cut to the heart, and you said, what do I do? And these people, they're cut to the heart, and they say to Peter and the other disciples, brothers, what do we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And the text goes on, it says, with many words he warned them, he pleaded with them, save yourselves, Come to Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, save yourselves. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. And that's why we call this day the birthday of the church, because before this day, there was kind of a small group of ragtag fishermen and others that they had gathered that were following him. We've got to remember the, the group that Jesus called was like a motley crew. You had a guy who was a zealot. That means he wanted to forcefully, violently overthrow the Romans. And then you had a tax collector who was considered one who was working with the Romans. And then you had these fishermen. You just had these people that what were they doing together? It was kind of this loosely connected band of brothers. And then there were several women that were involved as well. And that was a new thing in religious movements, that women were being elevated. And it was kind of confusing to people, but now... There's 3,000. Now you've got something going. You've got a movement happening. And immediately we read about what happened as a result of the Spirit's presence in Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says they devoted themselves, because now you've got to figure out what you're going to do with these 3,000 people. I mean, hopefully. Hopefully uh, we, we don't just get people converted and go, well, best of luck to you. Now that you said you love Jesus, like, see you later. No, so they, they got to figure out what to do, how to gather, how to teach people who Jesus was, what he was about. So it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, and then listen to this phrase, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, so when the Spirit came, the people came together, they started learning from the apostles, they started committing to community and sharing things, they were living radically generous lives. Oh, my brothers and sisters, my new brother and sister in Christ, they have this need, I have these resources, let's help them. Friends, in part, that's what we've done. We know of our brothers and sisters in Christ in a place like the Congo. The Congo Covenant Church, because of missionary efforts, is larger than the American Covenant Church. It's a crazy thing that's happened where the gospel has just spread like wildfire there. But the amazing thing is we get to do is that we have some resources they don't have. And we get to partner with them and share together in the body of Christ and share with one another and it's not just America saving those in Congo. No, we learn from them as well. And we see the ways the gospel is going out in unique ways in the Congo. 
And it changes the way we do missions and ministry as well. And so we see this movement of God started 2,000 years ago. It's still happening. I said, listen to that phrase, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Because I do have to wonder sometimes when I think about the movement that we're a part of, are we still enjoying the favor of the people? Are people still looking at the church and looking at the way we live our lives and saying, gosh, I want some of that? We talked about this last week with Ruth and Naomi. Are we living lives where people would say, I want your God to be my God? I see the efforts that you're making to change this world. I want to be a part of that. I think that's the unique opportunity we have in partnering with World Vision and and doing these sorts of events. There's a church in uh, Redwood City, California called Peninsula Covenant. They also ran the Global 6K. And they had 47%. They they were able to calculate this because they also have a community center next door to the church. And they had the community center run the signups for the Global 6K. 47% of their participants were non-church people. And so they were able to say that this is a way the church... The people of God are active in our world, caring for the neediest in our world. Do you want to be a part of that? And a bunch of people from their community said, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of something that's making change in our world. And then it's, it's not quite a bait and switch, but it's a little bit like, oh yeah, and by the way, we're doing it in Jesus' name. And they bring the gospel with them when they do this and lives are changed. And people start to, to become a part of this movement because of this whole enjoying the favor of all the people business, that people want to join up where God is going, where the Spirit is moving. They, they sense that. whether they, I think it's like the, the, there's an intuition in humanity. And that's why people, whether they're believers or not, they want to go and they want to make change. And this opportunity to partner with World Vision is an awesome opportunity, friends, for us to say the people of God are making a difference in our world. And there's plenty of other opportunities too, but today we highlight this one. Where the people of God are making a difference in the world, and I've seen it, that by doing this kind of work, we somehow embody this enjoying the favor of all the people. And it's the Spirit who leads us. It's the Spirit who pushes us in this way. And I have to wonder for us, church, do we believe... Do we believe that that same spirit Jesus promised, and when we see what the spirit led them to do, do we believe that that same spirit is available to us today? It saddens me greatly when I hear of some movements who are like, well, that was then. Now we don't have access to the spirit in the same way today. I got to tell you, I think that's 100% bogus. The spirit of God is alive and active today like the spirit of God was alive and active then. The spirit of God is here, friends. And the promises Jesus made, the promises he made that you will do greater things, I don't think it was just for those people. I think it was for all of us who would follow Jesus, who would rely on that Holy Spirit to be our advocate, interceding on our behalf with the Father, to empower us to do even more, even more, even greater things as Jesus promised. I ran across this parable uh, a few years ago. It's about a church filled with ducks. It says this, There's a certain town where all the residents are ducks. And every Sunday the ducks waddle out of their houses and they waddle, this is how they waddle, and they waddle down Main Street to their church. 
And they waddle to the sanctuary and squat in their proper pews. Got to have your assigned seats, even ducks. The duck choir waddles in and takes its place. The duck minister comes forward. He opens the duck Bible and he reads to them, Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly. With wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. And he does this because he has wings. And no walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings and you can fly like birds. And all the ducks shout, Amen! And they're filled with fervor because they've heard that they can fly. And then they all waddle home. I wonder if that's a little bit like what can happen to us. What, what might have been the temptation of those earliest disciples of Jesus, you're telling us we're going to have this Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come invade our lives and cause us to do greater things, God. You're telling us that, Jesus. And we want to believe it so bad. And we want to hear it. And we want to know that we can partner with you, God, and you're accessible. And, and we know that Paul says our bodies are like a temple now filled with the Spirit of God. And we want to believe it all. And it's like Jesus was telling them, you can fly. You're going to fly when I'm gone. And then they all waddle home. I just wonder, I, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be us, that, that we come and we, we get this fervor. And I felt that fervor at like religious conferences and things where you're like, yeah, we can do everything. And then you go back to your job, your school, your life, your family, and you're like, oh yeah, there's still all of this. And you just start to waddle again. And forget that you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, living inside of us. Friends, I want you to never forget that you can fly. You can fly. That the same Spirit Jesus promised to those early disciples is available to you, to me, to allow us to do greater things when we rely not on ourselves, but on that Spirit that lives within us. When we listen, when we tune our ear to that Spirit's guidance and leading, and when we rely on that Spirit's power to allow us to act in this world, we can fly. i got to tell you that the whole reason we're here today talking about world vision and this partnership is a moment where I, I personally had to, to come to grips with the fact that I was kind of putting the Spirit's voice off until I didn't. Because this guy, Rich Relaford from World Vision, he was hounding me about getting lunch. Hounding me. I tell you, he was persistent. He was calling me, emailing me, sending me weird boxes with like popcorn in them and stuff. I didn't know what was going on. It's like, why does this guy want to talk to me so badly? What is going on here? And I, at first, I kind of thought, well, he wanted to do like a child sponsorship Sunday because we do those things in the Covenant Church. And he told me he attends a Covenant Church in Los Angeles. So I was kind of putting him off like, yeah, 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 at some point we'll do that. And finally, I just thought, whatever, what's it going to hurt? I'll, I'll talk to this guy, Rich. And so Rich and I meet at some random taco place. We both kind of joke around about it because it wasn't that great. We met at this like random taco place in Van Nuys because it seemed like halfway. Found it on Yelp. Had decent reviews. Why not? 
So we meet up, we never don't know each other at all, and we meet up, and he's covered in, in World Vision swag, and I'm like, all right, so we sit down, and I'm like, Rich, I don't know what the deal is, man, like, we'll do a Hope Sunday at some point, we'll do the sponsorship thing, it's great, I'm in, why are you hounding me? And he's like, yeah, that's, that's fine, we could do that at some point, but have you ever thought about running a marathon? <laughs> now, most of you in that moment probably have been like, no, no, I have not, thank you very much. But there was something about the journey God has taken me on where I have wanted to run a marathon. I've had a lot of friends in my life who have done it, and I've always thought about, wouldn't that be great? But I've always also thought, wouldn't it be great not to? (laughs) Because I've never really had that cut-you-to-the-heart moment where it was, now's the time. Now's the opportunity. This is why you would do this. It always seemed to me when my friends had run marathons that they were just crazy people. That's why they did it. So to have an opportunity where it felt like God was saying, Chad, you say you've always wanted to do this, and now you could do it with a purpose. And now you could do it with others. It just it cut me to the heart. And it felt like it was that moment where the Spirit was truly saying, you could do greater things. You could do more than what you think if you would rely on me. And then I'll, for, I'll never forget that, um, you know, so I said yes to, uh, I hadn't really said yes to running the marathon in my own mind, but apparently to Rich I had said yes. <laughs> so then you all might remember he came here. And you all might remember I wasn't here when he was here. <laughs> and he gave a, apparently a really good impassioned pitch, and the spirit moved, and others were cut to the heart. And I started receiving text messages. Hey, Chad, I'm running the marathon with you. (laughs) And I remembered that I had sort of implied that if people were to do it, I would probably do it. And I started seeing on Facebook that people had signed up. And I started seeing, like I said earlier on, that, that it was like not the people I thought it would be. See, I thought like, okay, here's a handful of people I know who are runners already. And it'll probably be me and them, and we'll like start a little thing, and it'll grow in time. But you guys, this is what I'm telling you. When the Holy Spirit cuts you to the heart and moves and says, you can do more, you can fly, it's up to you. Are you going to say yes in that moment? Are you going to trust? And maybe not all of you felt that that day when Rich was here. But for those who did, hallelujah, that you felt cut to the heart, the Spirit saying, maybe it's you who needs to do this. Maybe it's you who needs your life transformed. Maybe it's you who needs to partner so that lives over there are transformed also. Maybe it's you and you felt that Spirit tugging on you and you said yes and you did something you never thought in all of your life you would do because the Spirit pushed you. And you listened, and you obeyed that voice of God. Now, this is one example. There's, uh, every day, I think we have little moments to listen to the voice of God saying, trust me in this. Take courage. Step into this. But will we listen? Will we say yes? Will we believe we can fly, or will we just keep on waddling through life? You can do greater things. The Spirit will come. It's going to be better that I leave because you can do greater things. That's what Jesus promises. 
Do we believe him? Do we believe our Savior? Then do we believe we can fly because the Spirit of God is within us? I got to tell you, uh, Rich Rell, Rich Relliford, he talks about the triple transformation. He sent me this text the other day because <laughs> I said, like, remind me of the triple transformation you're always talking about. He really likes to talk about this, by the way. And he reminded me that, that what happens when we listen to God, and again, this is just an example of listening to the voice of God, this, this marathon business. When we listen to the voice of God, there's a triple transformation that can happen. One, you are changed. I think in talking to anybody who participated, even in the Global 6K yesterday, our, our, your life can be changed. When you go, why, why am I doing this? What is the purpose for this? And you start to realize, God is doing something in me. I had many moments running by myself, wondering, why am I doing this, God? And arguing it out with God on some of those runs because it seemed ridiculous. But my life was changed. And the second lives that are changed are those in your community that you're connected to. I know many of you who have been a part of this now, you've told others. You've told others about your journey and you've inspired others to say, well, maybe I should do that. Maybe I could consider this. Yesterday, uh, one of my favorite things that happened uh, as a Global 6K yesterday is we had one participant who, who didn't intend to run or walk or do anything, but started joining up with another group and was just chit-chatting with them. And next thing she knew, she did 3.7 miles. And I was like, holy cow, that's amazing. You never know how the lives around you will be impacted, inspired when you say yes. And maybe it's a marathon, maybe it's a half marathon, maybe it's a 6K, or maybe it's something radically different in your own life where you say yes and others go, why did you say yes to that? That seems crazy. And you say, because I felt like in my faith, the Spirit prompted me and I listened. How can you inspire others in your community? And the third of the triple transformation when it comes to world vision is these folks whose lives we're impacting that you, we may never see, we may never get to know them, but we're impacting their lives, changing lives. Last thing I want to say about that as we start to close our service this morning, uh, I was on a, a conference call. Uh, some of our denominational leaders were just in the Congo about three weeks ago. And our president, Gary Walter, he said that uh, he got to meet, he had always heard these stories that when water comes in, women and children now don't have to walk for water, so they start to go to school, and they start businesses. And he said he had heard that there were a bunch of women in Congo who were starting all these little, like, operations and crafting things and businesses and making money and actually being self-sustained now. And he, and he thought that there was just, like, a handful of them, and that was great, but he had the chance to meet with 300 women whose lives were changed, who told him they were part of a larger network of 4,000 women whose lives have been changed because of access to water. Because their community got water, they could start to do things in their gifting, in their passions. Kids can go to school. It's transforming lives. And at the end of Rich Rell's text, when he reminded me of the triple transformation, I want to share this with you. He then ends it with, Boom! Because that's how it feels when you partner with God. It's like, whoa! That just happened through me, through us. Our church just raised $35,000 to change lives around the world. What? Boom! It hits you. And you start to, I hope, friends, I hope you start to believe you can fly. I hope you start to believe that you can fly. Because the Spirit of God 
is present, active, available to you and to me. Let's pray. God, help us to believe that and to embrace that truth that your spirit is here, is in us, is present all around us. God, help us to rely on your Holy Spirit, to depend on your Holy Spirit, to lead us. And God, give us courage when when we hear that voice and we discern that it is your spirit speaking to us. God, give us courage to take that step to say yes. Especially, God, when it comes to stepping into things that we never thought we'd step into, never imagined we stepped into. When we say, are you sure, God? Are you sure it's me you're asking to do this? Lord, help us to feel your strength, your empowerment in those situations. Lord, we pray that as we, as we, as we listen to your Spirit's voice and take a step out in faithfulness, God, that your church would once again enjoy the favor of all the people. That we would start to see a radical movement of your Spirit, a renewal of faith in our world, in our country, in our town, in our families. God, a radical renewal of faith where people are coming to you, coming to know you. God, help us to see that to envision what that would look like for lives around us to be changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, use us that we might fly, that we might fly, we might do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for our closing song?